What's going on everybody, it's your boy Fab, Freddy Fox, America's big brother, and we back with the Saturday Night Sit Down. What's going on everybody, it's your boy Fab, Freddy Fox, America's big brother, and we back with a Saturday Night Sit Down, and tonight we got content creator, digital, and stand-up comedian, Brandon D. What's going on, my man? What's happening, man? How are you? Yeah, who made the intro? How are you? Yeah, you feeling that? You feeling that? Yeah, yeah, that was a, a really, really good friend of mine, man. I know him since like the fourth or fifth grade. His name is Rene Figueroa. He goes by RC Productions out there, and he moved out to Cali um, a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, man, as soon as, um, I was doing the show, man, I reached out to him, I said, yo, listen, I need a beat for my intro, and, uh, like, tw- not even 24 hours, bro, he had this for me, laid out for me, so it was, it was just fire. I dig it, I'm gonna have to reach out to him, I like that. Yeah, most definitely, man, I'll send you his details, I'm saying, right after this, man, um, but he, he does a bunch of beat battles, man, he legit, man, as you can see, and, um, I gave him, like, a little bit of, uh, an idea of what I wanted, what I wanted to feel for him. And like I said, not even 24 hours, man, he came back with that. So I was just super, super happy. Right. And, uh, and I love getting the feedback from everybody who loved that, man. It's definitely what I wanted to uh, achieve. Yeah, it, when... I don't know how to describe it, but it got it, just, it got a feel good to it. And I can I can hear it from your side. I can't even hear it, like, around me. But I just heard, like, the echo of it. And I'm like, that's, that's jam. Yeah, yeah, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a dream right there, man. So thank you, man. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me tonight. You know, I know you got a lot of things going on. Um, so I'm definitely, definitely honored for you to take the time to sit down with me. Uh, as I break it down, man, and to everybody, uh, when it comes to this show, I know you've seen a couple of clips and, and everything is, um, it's really geared to, to, um, uh, around the importance of what it is to be a father, you know, and having fathers in their lives and really having strong, positive male role models. As I, as I say all the time, um, I've seen a lot of my friends, a lot of people that I know who don't have their dads in their lives and how that impacts them and what kind of, um, you know, lasting effects that has on people when their dads aren't around in their lives. So by sitting down with gentlemen like yourself, you know, we get to kind of point out and seeing and provide these young men with, with positive role models, guys who are doing the right thing and I'm doing, um, a lot of positive stuff in Pisa who are being great fathers. So that's why I wanted to have you on, man. I've seen how you are with your kids and everything. And I think this is definitely just in line with what I wanted, uh, somebody who I, who I want to and love to reach out to. So, again, thank you for taking it, for sitting down with me, Brandon. Well, I, I first off, I want to say uh, I'm grateful that you even asked me to be here. Uh, and I say that because I've been pursuing this, this entertainment thing almost 13 years now. Uh, comedy 11 years and you know I felt overlooked for so long so just you reaching out I don't care what size the platform is if, if somebody reaches out to me and they want to talk to me I'm honored man so thank you so much for even uh, asking me to to come on and, and take place in the conversation tonight yeah but what's um, good, man? Uh, for myself man I didn't grow up with a father uh, the closest thing I had to a dad was a coach by the name of Timothy McNeil. Uh, I call him Timbo. He calls me Brando. That's, 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 it's been that way since I was 12 years old, right? I'm 35 now. Um, Tim came into my life, uh, eighth grade. He was, no, seventh, seventh, eighth grade. One of the, one of those, uh, became my football coach. And from there, he was like a mentor. And then from there, he became like an uncle. From there, he became like a big brother. But now, our relationship really is father and son to the extent that uh, when he had a stroke a couple of years ago, he spoke to the nurses and, and the staff, spoke to them, you know, like I was his son wow. uh, and, and addressed me as such. So that's the closest thing I've had to a father. With him removed, um, I didn't I didn't have that uh, masculine direction right i grew up with all women literally i grew up with nothing but women i was in a three-generational household my grandmother my mother and my little sister and even outside of that my immediate family was just my aunts like i had three aunts that lived here um and they had two boys amongst them so it was just three of us but then the boys the older guy they moved away back to mobile alabama where we're from and it was just me left here with all these women uh, so like I, when I, I when I say um, women have played a huge role in my upbringing, like 
That's for real. To the extent that I knew long time ago I was going to marry a black woman because I felt like I owed that to black women. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave to me, so I want to make sure I keep me for them. Right, right. But um, yeah, fatherhood for me, everything I didn't get from my dad, I put that into my kids. You know, all all the stuff I wish I would have had a dad to do. I try to interject those things into the relationship I have with my kid um, to the extent that my, my dad's name was Ivan. And I say the opposite I have with my father, I want to have with my son. So I reverse his name. So it's Navi. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. deep. That's deep. Man. Appreciate it. Um, well, no, I mean, def- definitely thank you for sharing that, man. Um, you know, my, my first question to all the guys here, right, when we sit down to you, if you had to think about it and put it in um, and, uh, and label it, I guess, what do you think are some of the main uh, characteristics and qualities you feel it, it takes to be a good man or a good person? To be a good man or a good person? Man, I hate this word. I hate this word. Integrity. I wow. think I think it, it takes integrity. And integrity is different for everybody. Um. Working at a fire station, yeah, as you know, I'm a for, former firefighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, working at a fire station, integrity is one of the key principles in, in, in probably every department around the country. Uh, but to me, integrity is not saying something behind someone's back and smiling in their face, right? If you feel a way about a person, either keep it to yourself or let that person know. Um, so I think being a good person or uh, a good man, integrity is number one. It's number one. You you have to have integrity and that having the respect for yourself and the respect of others. Now now you said that real strongly and passionately you're thinking about it, but why do you hate that word? <sighs> because I like I said, because with the with the fire station or fire department, they say integrity and I, I think I got jaded. You know, it's it's stand up for what you believe in, stand by the things you do, right? So a little bit of my story. I made a mistake as a uh, firefighter. I made a, a TikTok that got me in some trouble, some hot water, and I took full responsibility for it. Um, and the fire department, their thing is brotherhood, 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 brotherhood. But when I got into my little situation, there wasn't brotherhood. Like I was, I was let go. Um, and I didn't think that was the, the department having integrity, especially when there's evidence of other people doing some really bad things. Mm-hmm. But my one little small mistake, um, I was let go. And then there's police officers accidentally, yeah, sometimes not accidentally, causing real harm to people. Right. And they either get on some little pro, uh, probation or, hey, just go to this other department. So for me, that word integrity is just I I don't believe that the people who use it oftentimes even believe in it themselves. So that's something like I just I hate that word, man, because it is it, all it's not real in in so many cases. But when applied, integrity is a great thing. Absolutely, it's uh it's that that core is what you are at your core. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it, it's one of those things like like they always say. Um, it's the things you do in the dark, right? You know, that that's what, the, what truly tells you the person that you are and what kind of person. So having integrity and being like that makes you aware. And, and like you say, you take full responsibility and trying to stand, um, stay on the right path, excuse me. And and I guess I was I was thinking about that as you said that too. I know when you um, talk about like Jada, I remember one of my jobs um, where... Um, like they say that too, you know, we're a family here, we got to work together and all these things. And, you know, you try to be part of the group and you try to feed in. Um, but then you, you, you can, if you, if you keep your eyes open, you see little groups that start, that are formed in there and behind closed doors and all that stuff. And then you start to see that integrity matters when they want it to matter in a certain sense or with who and all those things for all those, in all those cases. Um, you know, I have one of those things too. I went on one of my jobs where I was kind of, forced in a way to t- do some extra work you know to do um uh, you know level two stuff when i was just level one as as a trial they put it um and that went on for like a year 
You know what mm. I mean? And I'm talking about like, yo, so what's going on? I proved myself. I'm winning these awards. My teams, I'm outperforming some of these other people and blah, blah, blah. But I'm seeing, you know, the people who are in that group getting promoted and getting a position before I am. You know, and yeah. it's like, you know, part of it, like I said, hey, you know, they are good supervisors, but I know I beat them in a couple of things. But I was like, you know, let me not get to that. So I got to a point where it was like, you know what? It's been a year, man. I'm not doing this no more. I went to, to HR and had a conversation over there. Um, and eventually I did get the position. But um, it got tense around the work area. And I mean, like be all the people in that group that are supposed to be a part of, you know, now I'm like an outcast in a sense and nobody, you know, wants wants to get close. So it's 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 understandable, like you say, when people, you know, claim integrity and and then they don't live by it and they're they're just using it to make themselves look good when it's um, when it's relevant. Yeah, you know, so so definitely integrity is a good one. There, like you said, um, now and and I also um, when it comes to being a good person and a good man, you know, you got to have good morals um, and things like that. So for you, what are some of your key morals that that you live by on a day to day basis? Man, I, I've I've had this conversation with myself a lot, and that's a, that's a, it. Should be a tough answer, but it is for me uh, because I've evolved in in uh, so many levels. I honestly feel like at 17 year old, years old, I had a better moral compass then than I do now. Mm. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I've been jaded by the world and I lost a lot of my innocence. Um, but moral wise, I think protection of womanhood, that's that's something that I, I care about. Um, protection of womanhood and not going against uh, who I am, like not departing from who I actually am. Uh, I'm an artist. I'm an artist. Like I'm an empath. That's who I am. Uh, and I'm not going to try to be anything other than that. I had a conversation with my wife, you know, talking about the past. And a young lady I dated before, um, and she was like, "So, what was it with that relationship? Like, why didn't why didn't it work?" And that young lady wanted me to be a lot like her father, who was a cool dude, but her father was a a money man. I'm not a money man. Mm. Like, I care about creativity. I care about the arts. I don't care about money. So if you if you try to motivate me with money, it's not gonna work. I don't I don't care about that. Um, so, yeah, at, at my core, morally, protection of womanhood and, uh, man, artistry, bro. That's, that's really all I care about. And I can definitely relate with you what you say about that uh, as, as far as protection of womanhood and all that, because I just like you was raised by a bunch of women. Um, yeah. You know, it was just a majority. Again, my, and, and I had my, I did have my dad in the house, right? You know, I'm not saying that. I did have my dad in the house, but he wasn't really... You know, take me outside, play catch type of thing, and all the. You know what I mean? He was just more of a, a, a I guess, like a figure of authority. Um, you know, in a sense, and um, you know, the the biggest part was with my mom and my sister. They took a huge role. My sister's eight years older than me, so she's like a second mom in a lot of cases. You know what I mean? Like when my mom, my mom always said, you know, I don't have the patience to take care of kids. That's why I had your sister. She was you look after you, and you know, we grew a very very strong bond. And even at that too, the majority of my family too is a lot of girls you know at one point i was living in a house with like i think like seven girls at once and mm. you know between my cousins my mom my aunts and all that other, you know what i mean like and me really being the only dude there um you know so, so you feel me yeah so i definitely feel you i definitely understand and i hold that true you know what i mean like you know you have that respect to kind of be the protector you know of the women when it comes to that. i got into a bunch of fights too when i've seen guys just pushing girls or something like that just to be Defending because I've seen that, you know, with both my, my mom, my dad, when they used to have their fights or any of that thing, you know, you're just kind of geared that way because they played such a major impact in your life, raising you and being there for you and guiding you the best that they can. Um, you know, and now and you said that, you know, you met your coach later on, you didn't really have your, your dad in your life. Um, uh, I've seen a clip on, on, your, on your page, right? I guess you were in Alabama for Mardi Gras, right? And I guess you ended up stopping in front of your dad's house just out of coincidence. Um, yeah. So did you, was he just never there at all, or, or what was your relationship, if any, with him growing up? Um, so the relationship was he and my mother. Uh, 
started dating young. They had me at 18. I think she, my mom was 18. He was maybe 21. Uh, he was a freshman or a sophomore at Alabama State. Um, so uh, when I came about, you know, he, he jumped in. Hey, I'm going to be a dad. They decided to get married. I think I was maybe two. Um, they got married. And that didn't last long because Papa was a rolling stone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he had he had his issues that he dealt with uh, from a infidelity standpoint. So um, they split up. My mom moved here to Atlanta to College Park. Uh, he followed. They tried to work it out again. He still was doing his thing. So she moved back to Mobile. Uh, and I grew up in Mobile. From, I guess the time I was three till 12 when we came back here to Georgia. But the time that I was in Alabama from three to 12, it was touch and go. Um, there's not a memory that I can really put my finger on as, as like a little kid. Um, and say, yeah, man, that was, that was a fun time with my dad. And then I would come back and forth uh, once we moved here. Then when I was 15, you know, I went from the little kids who, I want my daddy, I want my daddy, I want my daddy, to I'm 15 now. I don't I don't care to have you in my life anymore. Uh, and he and I got into a verbal dispute. Um, and I ran out of the house, and little did I know that was going to be the last time I had spoke to him. Um, Father's Day came around. Some months after that, I I did something nice for Tim, ironically. Uh, I took him out for Father's Day. He said, you talked to your dad today? And I was like, nah. He said, man, give him a call. All right. I, okay, cool. Um, but I never got a chance to give him a call. He, he passed probably like, man, not long after that, like a week or so after that. Wow. He passed away. Um, and I held on to that pain for a long time of um, not making amends with my dad. So when I when I meet people nowadays and they say they have issues with their parents, I'm like, yo, work it out. Even if you guys come to an agreement of, hey, we're going to keep our space, but at least we're on on good terms, work it out. So that was the relationship with my father. Yeah, man, that's that's tough to hear. And, and I guess that you said that you had that transition. You know, you were all like, I want my dad, I want my dad to, you know, whatever. I don't I don't need you anymore. Um, that whole. Um, Thing that you that that you went through. How do you think that that impacted you, or how do you think that that left an imprint on you in your life and who you are? Man, deeper than what I what I know. Been honest. Um, I, I I knowing more about myself now, and just knowing more about how mental health works, and just some of the things that people deal with. Um, my dad not being there left me with abandonment issues. So as a as a young man, even though there weren't many men other than Tim who stayed in my life, there were many men who would come into my life, right? Different coaches. And what I would, the pattern that I would recognize, and it's maybe not true, but the pattern I would recognize when these coaches would come into my life, then they would leave, right? A coach comes, a coach leaves. A man comes, a man leaves. And that's a pattern I recognize, good or bad. Now, as a, as a father, I know that, hey, man, these are coaches. They volunteering. They got jobs. They got kids. They got wives. I understand that now. But as a young man, I didn't understand that. Like, why are, why are these men coming to my life and everybody's leaving me? Um, and I recognize it, it was bad because I was maybe sophomore, junior year in college. And uh, – I, I, I just I was dealing with something. It got me to a point where I ended up in my coach's office, my running back coach's office, and we're talking. And I just broke down for no reason. I just broke down, and I got this white man sitting across from me. He don't know what to do. <laughs> He's like, "What the hell is wrong with this kid?" But I'm I'm, I'm breaking down, and he was like, well, "What's wrong?" I said, "Man, everybody leaves me." He's like. Who's leaving you? I said, everybody. I'm balling, boo-hooing. And I don't know where it came from. Wow. But that's the impression that it left on me. And 
uh, even as a young man, I, I yearned for a family. Like I, I thought about what my son was going to be like. And I, I have a small booklet upstairs, 2007, on a plane from a football game while I was in college. I'm writing like love notes to my son. Wow. Right? Because I'm just thinking that far ahead. I'm, I'm dreaming about my son and the relationship that I'm going to have because I wanted that so much. Now, I didn't know what having a family, a wife and kids was going to really entail. Like, <laughs> but that's what I wanted mm -hmm. because I didn't have that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's the impression that left me, man. And it really, I think it makes me a greater father because I didn't have my dad. And I, I do my best to give them, my kids, everything that I didn't get. Um, and I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm far from perfect. I mess up every day. But I'm present. I'm present. Yes. And I'll give me the grace enough to say, at least you're doing that. Yeah, no, and I and I, I, I totally feel, like I said, I've been, I've been doing this for quite some time, and I've noticed that is is a a common factor, right? When a lot of guys who, who haven't, who had rocky relationships with their fathers or who their dads were in their lives when it comes to their own kids they overcompensate and mm. i mean like they're really there 24 7 like you know i need to be here i need it because i'm here they, too much yeah they, they understand the pain that that caused them right and you don't want that for your kids you know so so you really really try to be there um as, as much and even more so than you possibly can um too, I know that they grow up in their kids and they say that it's like, oh man, you're you're just like you're, you're swarming me, you're all over me. Like I need my space, and and it's it, it's they they don't understand, and and it's good, you know what I mean? Like it's a bittersweet feeling, right? Because you're just like, man, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I need to give me space, but then also like you have no idea what it is to be on the other side, you know what I mean? To to sit there and, and like like we say, you waiting on a porch for somebody who's never gonna show up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like who's saying they're gonna be there and and they 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 don't come, you know? And I think if I think the, the 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 most visually I guess perfect way it was put in was in an episode of, of of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I know we all seen that. When is that? I see you already know what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. bro. I remember. I remember the day I saw that as a kid. <laughs> I sit there crying. <laughs> yeah, man. Listen. I I, I don't think anybody could see that and not cry. Like, yeah, you know I mean, like, I don't yeah. anybody see that because that just touches you in such a way. Like, just the the pain and everything was just so real and raw. And then, you know, especially if you're going through, it, you understand it so much more and feel it on a different level. Um, yeah. So, so I've se I've seen that a lot too with a lot of guys too when when they're not there, and even for myself, like I, I've I've been through. Um. I guess the same that thing too, like just like an abandoned thing of feeling. Like I remember growing up, I was being a fat kid and being teased on. You know what I mean? Like I remember one time that there was that my dad came home really drunk and he just went on went off on me and just called me all sorts of fat and you know disgrace and all these things and just like yeah, I mean like he to the point like literally like I went to my mom afterwards. I was like, yo, I hate this man. Like I just I hate him. Wow. You know, straight up. Like, I just and um and I says again and like the next day like he came to my room and he was just like you know um. Whatever I said to you yesterday, I said for your own good, and it's that. And, and as I'm older now, I believe he he had good intentions. Like he was trying to motivate me some way, somehow, and just he just didn't know how to do it. And that was just kind of his way of trying to maybe spark a fire or get something out. But it really messed me up. Like, and I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I I I go out to school every day. Like I try to avoid going to school. There's days I fake sick because all the kids are picking on me and making me feel worthless and not loved. And I'm supposed to be home, and it's supposed to be my sanctuary, and I don't feel that here. Yeah. Um, so when I was about like 13, I remember my, 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 my first niece was born and I held her for the first time. And I was looking at this just innocent baby and just was like, this is what unconditional love is like right mm -hmm. here. Like she don't know me for nobody else. Like vice versa. Like there's nothing, you know what I mean? Like this is just straight up love. You know what I mean? There's no judgment, no insecurities, nothing like that for anything um and at that time at 13 that's when i knew i wanted to be a dad like i was like i want to have my own kids i have that own sense of unconditional love yeah. and just be there and knowing that that somebody loves me no matter what 
you know, and that was, those were what I was looking for for my kids and that sense of peace. Because even like you said, you know, as you're growing up too, we've been in relationships that, like you say, even with you actually wanted you to be a money person, things that you weren't, that you're not, and then they want something from you. And it's 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 all conditional. It's all conditional. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you're trained that way to be able to be yourself and be unique with your kids and have that 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 love that, you know, nothing is going to change that. It's just, it's just, it's just incredible. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I love it. Um, and I, now with you, I see, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you have two kids, a boy and a girl? Yep. Yep. Nyla and Navi. Uh, wait, hold I'm sorry. What's your daughter's name? Nyla and Navi. That's my daughter's name. Really? My daughter's name is Nyla, N-Y-L-A. Uh, okay, I was about to say, how do you spell it? <laughs> <laughs> every, time, every time we come across somebody that's a Nyla, the question is, how do you spell it? Because there's yeah. so many ways to spell Nyla. So we're N-Y-L-A-H. Oh, you got it. Yeah, we're just NYLA. Yeah, my daughter, she's six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I met I met a Nyla. She was an adult, and I was like, I didn't know they made Nyla's that old. <laughs> uh, she was like 25, and, and the way she spelled hers was N A L I A. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, at first I was like, your name is Nalia? And she was like, no, it's Nyla. What? Yeah. So that's the, that's the, that's the wildest Nyla I've seen so far. And wow. the oldest. Wow. He <laughs> said, I didn't know they make him this old. <laughs> I did it, man. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, too, because I think I, my, my daughter's name, literally, man, it came to me in a dream. You know, it was like mm. before she was even born and stuff like that, I remember vividly we were at like a carnival or something like that. I was there with my wife. And we had three kids. Two of them were running off somewhere. I, I never seen them in my dream. I just knew I had two other kids. And then I had her who was the baby and I was older. And I was like, you know, her name was Nyla. And I woke up and I was like, that's going to be our daughter's name. Like, I don't know why it's going to be mm. our daughter's name. Um, the spelling and everything, you know, so so that's how we came up with, with her name. Um, now, uh, and the reason I asked you about your kids, too, because like I said, like, you learn that from your dad, you know, always trying to be there and stuff. And as parents, you know, we're kind of learning and we kind of want things to to teach our kids and stuff that's going to stick with them for the rest of their lives. So what are some of the things that you try to uh, instill in your children that are growing up that you try to be mindful of? And that's, that's what I said about I'm not perfect. Because I have all these grandiose ideas for my kids about what I want to teach them and what I want them to learn. Uh, but, you know, it's a daily struggle of me not being a representation, right? Um, and I'm getting better with that. You know, for, for a long time, fighting my own depression and, and mm-hmm. things of that nature, my kids saw me do nothing. Yeah. So now I'm in a place where, man, they saw me have this pattern. And, you know, I don't want them to grow up and replicate this pattern. So how do I fix it? It's less with me doing it through words. It's more of me doing it through action. So it's like, all right, everything they saw me do, lay around the house, not do anything all day. I need to do the total reverse, and I got to, like, double down on that. Uh, so now I have them going out with me everywhere I go. Uh, if, if I'm going to sell books, you come to sell books with me, right? If we're going to talk to people, you come to talk with me. If I'm, I'm going to have a business meeting you come to have this business meeting with me um and i think that's really what it is is me showing them like yo my dad's putting in the work and and on the days that they do catch me slipping they catch me somewhere around the house i just lie to them and be like oh yeah i had to work all night so i'm I'm tired (laughs) but for me it's really i just want to show them now i just i want to show them um and my biggest thing is entrepreneurship um, if you if you get a job, get it because that's the job you want. Like my my son says, he wants to be a firefighter like me. Uh, cool, but I don't want you to have to rely on that job, right? Because when I got fired, that I mean, it just that jacked up my household, my finances. Mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to have to rely on a job. If you have a job, have it because that's what you want to do. That's where you want to be. Not because you have to be there, right? right? So use the job as a stepping stool, create a business, and be an entrepreneur. If if I can uh, impart anything on them, it's be an entrepreneur and uh, seek seek spirituality for yourself, seek God for yourself, question everything. So those would be the two things: question everything and be an entrepreneur. You know, it's it's wild how you say that. You know, with your son too, I wanted to be a firefighter. How, how old is your son? Right, 
Seven. Seven. And he has that. Seven. And he's a brilliant boy, too. Brilliant boy. Loves karate. Uh, So I I can easily see him as, like, one of those nerds who you say the wrong thing, he might let you slide a couple times, but all right. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be that day where (laughs) – I, I, I would love for him to be just be a, a, a silent killer, man. And I, I think he has um, – he, he's blessed with just the personality and the mindset and the physical capabilities. He's not a pure athlete, but when it comes to combat, he's that guy. He's that guy. And I, I see it in him. Yeah, no, that's, that's – that's, and I think that's part of it too. Like as you say, you're just as a young man, right, when your dad's in your life and, and he's your role model, right? You want to be like him. You want to walk in his footsteps. So I, think I can see why he wanted, like he said that, you know, want to be a firefighter. Because I had a similar thing with my dad and it was, um, uh, and I love telling the story because it's one of my favorite things that my dad has ever really taught me and put it in on me. But um, like I said, about my dad's a mechanic, right? Works on cars his whole life. Um, you know, and growing up, like everybody talks about my dad being this wonderful mechanic and they, you know, they look up to him for being this amazing mechanic. So I'm like, you know, I want to be a mechanic with my dad. You know, everybody loves him and all this stuff and then uh, it's craziness. So I'm like, you know, I want to be a mechanic with my dad. So I try to, you know, watch him or, you know, when he's working on cars, I try to get involved and stuff like that. And he always pushed me away. He always sent me away. He never took time to teach me any of those things. The only things I really did was, you know, how to change the tire if I got a flight, you know, the basics, an oil change, you know, the things just to really, like, maintain your car that people should should just regularly know. But nothing yep. into deep mechanics. And, um, you know, my brother, he he has a different mom. He's between me and my sister, and he lived out in Puerto Rico. So when he would come visit and stuff, you know, him and my dad would go off to a different garage and work on mechanics. And, um, you know, I remember this time I flipped out on my dad. I'm like, yo, Pops, like, I'm trying to be a mechanic and you never want to teach me, but like, our brother who we see, like, once a year, like, you're taking, like, that's kind of messed up. Like, why are you doing that? You know what I mean? Like, that's mad disrespectful. And, um, you know, he sat me down, right? And he was just covered in, like, all this oil. He said, look at me. I'm covered in oil. Look at my hands. They were all cut up and bleeding and full of grease. I said, look at this. This is not the life that I want for you. You're going to make money with your brain, not with your hands. <laughs> just like that. And I was just like, oh, oh okay, like, all right. So, yeah. you know, that that just, that was the first time that I've ever, like, really seen him, my dad say something that made me feel like, you know, he, he had this brilliant plan for me. He's like, you know, you're going to be, you know, make money with your brain. And and, and that, that, that was a spark of the entrepreneur in me. That was a spark right there. Because after that, like, I was bootlegging DVDs and CDs and, like, all that. I learned all these technology things, just learning ways to really make money with my hands, like, just yeah. like that. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that really paid off from, like, years later, uh, my brother-in-law now, I was over at his house and stuff, and he, we were shaking hands. And he's like, man, Freddie, every time I shake your hands, man, your hands are so soft and you got no cat. Like, you even saying, like, these are a real man's hand right here. Look at my hands. These are real man's hands. I said, okay. I said, so what do you do, right? He's like, well, I'm a window cleaner, you know, all these tall yeah. bills I hang outside and I clean the windows. And I said, cool. And how much do they pay you? He said, they pay me $18 an hour. And I said, wow, so you dangling outside of a window, high up in the air, getting paid $18 an hour. That's wonderful. I make $30 an hour and I sit at a desk. And he was like, mm. word, why you got to go? I said, you want to play that game? I said, listen, man, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I sit at a desk, you know, because of that. I, that, that. I, I, I... When I was uh, in high school, I shook Ball Wild's hand because uh, he came to the shoe store that I worked, and his hands was really soft, like like really soft, like a girl's hand. And I hated him for tw- almost twenty years because of that. Because I was like, <laughs> I gotta go out here and lift these heavy ass weights. <laughs> 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 he got hit with these soft hands, not doing a damn thing. Yeah, I hated Ball Wild for years because of that. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, so. Um, you know, it, it was just that that meaningful thing, and then that that spark of entrepreneurship that my dad gave to me, and and I've seen even you with your kids. I know, I think you had another video too with your daughter. You're telling about like selling books and getting paid, and her yeah. eyes lighting up, and all yeah. those things. You know, it, it's it's just it's, it's it's amazing to see like how like everybody says like kids are sponges, and you when you really see it firsthand, it's it's, it's incredible because like that with my daughter, right? She's six. Um, and I've been doing this for some time and, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was just sitting here and I was, you know, doing some editing and everything. And my theme music was playing as I was working on the editing and right on cue, my daughter comes out of nowhere. She's like, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Fat Freddy. I'm like, oh, 
wow. Like, she was like, yeah, I know I got it, got it, I got it. You know, and, and every time we go places and she, you know, she introduces herself, she's like, yeah, my name is Nihilus. This is my dad, Freddie Fox. He makes t-shirts to sell them and makes money. And he has his own show and he talks to people. But I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, so seeing how proud she is of what I'm doing it's just that extra yeah. motivation to kind of go out there and do that for them and show them that it's possible, right? Because I think that's like, like you're saying it too, like you're showing your kids what is possible, taking them to these business meetings, showing them what it is to take a book, showing them how to hustle, like learning firsthand, um, especially at the age that they are now, that again, they're spongemen, they're sucking all that information in. And when we least expect it, they're going to spew it back at us. And, and it's just- Oh, they, 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 hit, they hit me with stuff all the time. They hit me with stuff all the time, like these little catchphrases and sayings and, and stuff I tell them, they'll flip it and tell me and I can't fight it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I messed up. Let me uh let me go let me go do that. Like so it's it's happening already. I, I've had two really beautiful moments with, with my daughter. One was around this time no, I was gonna say this time last year, but no, it was it was a little bit closer than that. But um I was at, at my last fire department and I hated being there um, and I asked my daughter I didn't talk to anybody about it I just I talked to her I said yo how would you feel if I stopped uh, being a firefighter and I went back to being a comedian she said I would love it I was like why and she said uh, because I know that's what you really are and I don't like you being a firefighter I'm out. <laughs> that's all you need to say. Say less. Say less. Hold on. Let me get my bat. Let me get my bat. <laughs> like, 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 just her. She, just the fact that she believes in me. Mm-hmm. Just her, her little belief, man, made me believe in myself again. I was like, all right, I'm out. Uh, another one. She was maybe four or five. And uh, it was a random day, you know, again, me dealing with depression and, and, and things of that nature. I'm, I'm in my feelings on this day. And I, I didn't verbalize anything, but she walked over to me. She gave me a hug. She said, Daddy, no matter what happens, I'll always love you. I said, what? Mm. She said, no matter what happens, I'll always love you. I'm like, where'd that come from? She's like, just wanted to tell you. So it's, it's, it's those moments where in, in my darkest and, and, and deepest, I reflect on those moments. I'm like, I'm good. I'm all right. I'm good. Because that little one right there, she believes in me. And she gets that artist side of me. You know, the, the things that you pass on to your kids, she's an artist. My son don't care about art. But I wake up in the morning, Nyla's uh, got an iPad going, playing her music, watching some Barbie show, doing arts and crafts. You know, making bracelets, drawing something. Like, she's an artist, man. And asking me, who can we sell this to? Artist and entrepreneur already. So, like, those parts of me have rubbed off on her. You know, she's like, how can I sell this? Yeah. You know, and I think, um, as you said earlier, you know, right, talking about religion and faith and all that stuff and and having God. And I think definitely... um, you know, he, he, he knows how to use our children to get to us. Um, and I mean, yep. in, in the most positive way, because um, as you said, Dad, right, you're going through a tough time and your daughter came to you and shed some words with you that you, you um, just caught you off guard. And um, I had something very similar to happen to me like that within like with a pop by the last year or so. We were, um, I was going through it's like same thing, you know, just a lot of depression and anxiety and stuff. And I, I was at a point where I was really contemplating suicide. Um, and, wow. and just like really hurting um, because I just didn't feel like I had any value or any worth like that and and my daughter for the longest I remember we was um, on Disney she wanted to see the movie Raya and the Last Dragon right mm. um, you seen it seen it yeah we watched it with the first we paid the money for it too it was a good movie it was a good movie <laughs> yeah no and, and it was beautiful because like right and I remember like we're watching it and, and, and the whole concept of this movie was just so in depth about her trying to get her dad back and all these things and just her relationship with her father. And like as I'm sitting here watching the movie, I'm kind of getting touched because I'm seeing the importance of the dads and their daughter. And then my daughter just like turns around and hugs me and just squeezes me. Like, I mean, like with just such love and tenderness and just really, really tight. 
And then she just turned around and went back to the movie. Like, cause it was that little part where, like, you know, the dad was just turned to stone or something like that. And he, she was missing him and stuff. And she was just like, man, like, I just felt like if that would have happened to my dad, I'd be so sad. And it got me thinking, like, if I really did something to myself, man, like, how would, how much would she suffer? Could I really do that to her? Like, could I yeah. possibly put her through that much pain for the rest of her life and not be around to do anything about it? Yeah. You know, and that that movie will always hold that special part of me because just, just that moment to just seeing how important I was to her. Um, yeah. You know, that, that really just kind of helped me turn around and kind of find my place again and, 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 and you know, get that motivation. And she does it all the time, man. Like, she... You know, she she's a different artist on TV or whatever. People who are famous, she says, so dad, when are they going to be on your show? When are you going to have them on your show? When are you going to talk to them? <laughs> it's crazy belief that they have in this bag. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you know what? But I'm trying to make that, you know, and you just reach out and, you know, just kind of keeps going and, 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 and doing that. So it's just, it's a marvelous thing having these kids. Um, it, it's unexplainable. Those little moments that, that you get with your kids like that. You know, and that hug. And there's something that happens inside of you. You can't explain it, but you, you feel it. It's like, it's almost tangible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, it's, yeah, golly. Yeah, you got me like, you want to go hug him right now. I <laughs> <laughs> right. love it, love it. Um, now, 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 back to that, I know you said you had, um, you know, the, the biggest, I guess, the, the father figure you had in your life was your coach, right, Tim? Right? Yeah. Um. Now was it just like you just just football that you played or uh primarily football. So in high school, freshman year I did football, freshman basketball, varsity I did freshman football, varsity football, freshman basketball, varsity track. Um sophomore year I did varsity football, J V football, uh varsity track. Junior year, it was varsity football, varsity track, and in my last year, it was just football because I took my ACL. Mm-hmm. Now, now, um, well, let me let me speak up on your coach, Trevor. Your coach Tim, you said the thing it came when you were like fifteen or seventh grade or something like that. So seventh eighth grade was when you had to coach. Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like seventh eighth grade, he came around. Um, what was it about him, man, that just that just created that bond with you? Like, why do you think you guys connected? Uh, because he took the initiative to take me on. It wasn't a conversation of, hey, I'm going to, at least not with me, maybe with my mom, but it wasn't a conversation with me of, hey, I'm going to take you under my wing and you're my little guy. Um, it was just, you know, his actions like, yo, Tim, um, kind of hurting. I need like 50 bucks for something. All right. I got you. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're moving around a lot. I want to make sure I can focus on football and focus on school. My mom, we're about to move in. My aunt, I don't want to be surrounded with all these women. Can I come over there with you? Come on. Like, to this day, in his house, there's uh, one of the rooms he still refers to as my room. It's like, yeah, I got the uh, my, the office set up over in your room. To this day, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't lived there in 17 years, but to this day, he still calls that my room. So it was where he placed himself in my life. Um, like, man, he just, he did a lot of the father's stuff and he didn't have to do it. You know, it's been many times I've, I told him, like, thank you. And I've asked him why. And, and his response was because somebody did it for me. So I just need you to turn around and do it for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at that place in my life where I'm like, okay. It's my turn. You know, it's my turn to do it for someone else. I got my son. My nephew lives literally um, one street over, and I'm trying to be a better uncle for him. Uh, and I got other little guys that I look to mentor. So it's my turn, and I'm just trying to rise to the occasion now. But for him, it was someone did this for me. Therefore, I'm paying it forward. I'm doing it for you. The way you repay me is not by giving me your sign bonus when you go to the league. That's what I told him I was going to do. But it's by doing this for somebody else, and yeah, each one teach one. Yeah, that that's a beautiful thing, man. And and having there for so long and creating that bond. And I guess if he was like the, the the primary father figure that you had, what do you think is one of the the biggest things you learned from him? 
respect. Have respect for yourself. Look a man in his face. Shake his hand. Like just the the base level things that a man does to gain that initial respect. Um, and I, I think it was less life lessons verbally. And again, it was just actions. It was, I'm not responsible for you, but I'm going to make myself responsible for you. Right. And I'm going to make myself accountable to you. And like I said, at 35, I'm, I'm just embracing those lessons and recognizing it's my turn. So uh, if, if, if there was anything that he told me, it was accountability. Be accountable for somebody else. I, I think that's probably what it was. You know, it was many little, little micro lessons, but the main thing was, you know, respect and accountability. Yeah, and, uh, a lot of people have said that too. Just you know, respect is huge. So that yeah, you learn from your, from your from those males in your lives, and, and and how they teach you how to carry yourself around other men and women. Um, and knew that because my dad was the same way too. You know, he he never really. Now, as I got older, we start to have those heart to hearts and have those deep conversations. I think we're trying to really develop more now that uh that friendship, um, and creating that bond to that level. So you know, we have great conversations now. But growing up, it was just a lot of just seeing how he handled himself in different situations and the things that he did, and that's how I've learned to to be the man that I am today. Like like uh, they say just now for a couple weeks now how we would treat my mom, you know, even if they had arguments or whatever went down the next morning he's still making sure that she has her cup of coffee ready when she got the bathroom and cleaning her car and all those little things and all those um what it means to to maintain and take care of your woman in the house. You know, and and, and that's what I've what I've learned from him again, like he said, just by watching him and his actions. So there's so much more to be learned from from watching um than having these conversations uh, so, so it, it's key to, like you said earlier, um, being present, right? We're not going to be perfect parents, but we're present parents. Um, yeah. and, and I've said this before too, is that, you know, our, our kids will, will never remember every single time we were there for them, but they will never forget the times we weren't, you yeah. know? So, so it's, it's key to really just show up and do your best and try, um, and I think that as long as your, your kids are seeing that and they understand that, you know, that, they, they're going to love you unconditionally and have her. Because there's even times now with my daughter, like, I'll do little things and stuff. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you don't have to say sorry, Dad. I know it was an accident. I know that this. And she knows that we're not perfect, that we make mistakes. But keeping that dialogue going and that conversation and let them know that, you know, we're trying. You know what I mean? And that, that's most important. That That's one thing I do. Um, I talk to my kids and, like, when I make a mistake that I feel like we need to talk about this, like I'll I'll tell them, hey, I messed up. This is what I did. This is why I did. Um, and I'm I'm gonna try my best not to do it again. How do you feel about it? Right. When I got fired from my job, the first thing I did after tell my wife, mm. that was a tough one. But I set my kids down and I said, hey, you know how Daddy tells you everything is not funny, and there's a time and place for laughs and giggles well daddy didn't listen to his own advice this is what happened how do you feel about it like I just came out with it there's no reason for me to hide who I am or my flaws right because a a lot of times I think kids see their parents and that's your superhero then you grow up and you're like what like uh, loving basketball right Q grew, grew up realized his dad you know what I mean Dad was out there and that he was distraught. No, I'm going to let you know I'm human right here, right now. So when you grow up, you don't start to learn my flaws, learn my setbacks, and now that affects who you are as a human. No, see my flaws now. Learn from my mistakes now. A smart man learns from his own mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I want my children to be wise men and women. Right, but learn from my mistakes, so you're not repeating the same thing when you get older, and you'll know like, hey man, my dad did this when when I was six. I remember that. Let me go holler at him, right? 
there's that bar of understanding. Like I know I can talk to my dad because he understands, right? My my daughter can talk to me about artist stuff right now because she recognizes me as an artist. But when they start to grow up and do these things that others may deem reckless or it might be failures, they can say, man, my dad, does, he did some reckless things. He's failed. He's made a career out of failing. Let me holler at him. That's what I want. Yeah, no, definitely. It's key to see that they know that we do make mistakes and go through tough times and struggle so that, again, they see that we're human and that we can work things through and that we're able to change and adapt, right? We're not perfect. We're not, our word isn't law and isn't Bible and all those things. Um, as I say it time and time again, you know what I mean? Like, just as our parents, so are we. We're learning as we grow up how to do this parent thing because our kids are different individuals with different likes and dislikes yeah. and personalities and all that stuff. So it's not a, 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 a cookie cutter approach to raising kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, so we have to learn, adapt, and, and, and develop as, as they do um, and change our tactics and practice. So, you know, I think it's, 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 um, it's key to that our kids see that we are human um, and that we're willing to make mistakes and that we're willing to work on correcting our mistakes when we do make them. Because that's the whole point of life. You know, life is, is full of mistakes. We're going to make them. It's how we react to them and full how we them. change and how do we adapt and how do we avoid from making those again. Um so, so definitely big ups to you on that. So as we're winding down here, man, I, I just want to say, man, it's been a great conversation. I love talking to you, man. It's been very, very real. I got two questions for you as we, as we close it up here for you. Let's do it. So the first one is, right, um, with everything that you've been through and like growing up and, you know, having these people in your lives, either either through, through you know, being a firefighter or, you know, through sports, um, what do you think has been the biggest uh, piece of advice you've ever received? Ah, man. Oh, that's a good one. Biggest piece of advice I've ever received. It's a two-parter. It's a two-parter. Through the fraternity and through being a firefighter. So through the fraternity, I learned piss-poor preparation promotes piss-poor performance and piss-poor performance promotes pain. And through being a firefighter, I learned uh, when facing adversity, we don't rise to the occasion. We fall to our lowest level of training. So with those two mm. concepts in mind, the main point is preparation. Yes. Right? How they say uh, you, you, you don't have to get ready, you stay ready, right? So if you prepare, when that time comes, it's much easier to um, become what you want to become. It's much easier to do what you're trying to accomplish if you're prepared, right? And it's not to say that you're going to, not not to say you're going to be successful, but with that preparation, not only do you have the training, but you also have the confidence to back it up. And your chances of success increase but if you're not prepared chances of uh failure are almost inevitable so i I think those those two nuggets put together um probably the greatest piece of advice i've ever received i never heard that segue i heard of over the you know the piss poor uh you know preparation that one here but i like how you say that too we don't rise to the occasion we fall to our lowest was it a level of preparation highest fall to the highest level of our preparation I, I like that. I like that. That 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 is true. You know, um, like like my teacher, well, my my choir teacher. One of the things that she ever that she used to say to us all the time, which I loved, she said, "Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent." I said, "Oh, yeah. okay, yeah." You know what I mean? Like you know how to permanently do that. And I was like, "Okay." So that that one's one that I've always loved from her, Mister Nagul. Shout out, and it, it goes both ways. Right, it goes both ways. Right, if you practice the right thing. It's going, it's going to uh, imprint the right thing. If you practice the wrong thing, you build a habit, the wrong habit is going to imprint that wrong habit, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll get perfect in that bad habit. Yeah, so it, it goes both ways. Yeah, man. So I definitely like those two gems that are dropped there. And then lastly, then, my question to you is, again, just with all your experience and everything that you've been through, 
looking at the younger generation, these kids coming up, what is one piece of advice you would like to offer them? This is one that, this is one I've come across in the past month. And I think about it a lot when it comes to my son. Bear with me. I'm going to try to paraphrase it. Hard times make hard men. Hard men make soft times. Soft times make soft men. Soft men make hard times. Right? And that cycle continues. Uh, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Uh, so for my son, even with my daughter, the next generation, I think, again, preparation. Mm-hmm. Preparing your mind and your body to be ready for whatever the world is going to throw at you. The worst case scenario is that the world is going to throw at you. Being fully prepared for those moments when they come, because it's not a matter of if, it's when. When the issue hits the fan, being ready for those moments, mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially, being ready for those moments, right? But knowing that you don't have to be the aggressor in everything, but be willing and ready to be aggressive if need be. That's what I will partake to to the next generation. Yeah, as you said, that made me think of this quote, and I'm probably going to butcher it, man, but it was, um, it says some, it was some along the lines like, you know, um, sometimes you have to beat a lion so you could live amongst a sheep or something like that. Um, yeah. but it was just about that too, you know what I mean? Sometimes you got to be out there, you got to push yourself out there, you got to be strong, you know what I mean? Like, and not let people sleep on you, you know, show that you're ready to prepare yourself so that you can live a life of peace. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all we want. It's not about, like you said, that too, like being the aggressor twenty four seven. It's knowing when to to turn that on and off. Uh, you know, when the, when the time is right. Um, and goes back to like we said too. You know, just having uh, a good integrity, right? Real integrity, as we should say, right? Real, real integrity. Real integrity. There you go. Real integrity. Um, to to be able to handle those things, and like you said, just be confident, be sure of yourself, right? Just be able to to understand where you are and know yourself well enough, um, so that you can go ahead and not lose yourself when being faced with adversity, right? Because sometimes we either we either um uh, rise or adapt, you know what I mean? Like or succumb to, to to what's coming at us. So it's important to have those strong morals, good integrity. Um, so that you don't lose yourself and you just be a happy life because when you're not living to your true self, it's just at least so as we talked about earlier, you know, just all the mental health issues and all those things and depression and anxiety because, um, I, and I think Jim Carrey said it the best too when it comes to he said that de- depression is your body telling you it's tired of playing this character. Oh, I love that. I love that. And um, oh, I love that. That that just sticks to me. So whenever at times like I sit there and I start feeling depression, feeling sad, and stuff like that, I'm like, all right, what's going on? Like, is this really who I am? What I like to try to really kind of center, you know, regain my my bearings and stuff because I I know for so long in my life I, I tried to fit in. Like I always say, I would be a chameleon, try to you know adapt and you know you know follow the flow. Um, but in doing that, I lost so much of myself. Um, that it just led me to, to, you know, I was just so confused on who I am and what I liked. Uh, so it's just very important that the sooner you get to um, understand who you are as a person at your core, the better. And just sticking to that, you'll just live a, you know, a, a life of very minimal stress, you know, because you're not trying yeah. to put on a put on an actor or facade for anybody else. So, um, you know, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you so much for for sending out me. Um, it was a very, very great conversation. I appreciate you being open, honest, um, and sharing those details, man. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck to you, fam, man. Thank appreciate you so much. It. Appreciate it. Uh, again, I'm grateful for uh, for being here. Can can we run it back next year? Can can we come back next year and do this again? Yeah, man. Well, whenever you want, man. I'm here, man. Uh, listen, we we could do this whenever, man. I love doing the show. I love having a conversation with you. I got, I got another show too where um it, it's really focused on um I guess the mental health aspect and men being able to be open. It's called Fab with Fab. So face fears and build bonds with Fab. Where we just talk about things um that goes on in our life, right? Because a lot of times, and uh, all of us men go through this feeling that, you know, we're the only ones going through certain problems or hardships, right? Like we feel that everybody else's life is, is, is up, you know, and that we're the only ones struggling because 
we don't talk about it, right? It was there's a ban, you know. Don't talk about your feelings. Don't talk about your failures. Don't talk about it. like you got to be a man. You just shut up and keep moving. Um, but that's also so toxic and damaging on our own psyche because it drives us insane. So with this other yeah. show that I do is just to give us a time to talk, open freely, talk about our feelings, find out the guys that are going through things or have gone through something that we went through, and be able to yeah. walk each other through it. So then we're gonna survive. I, 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 I'm laughing because. Just two months ago, the pressures of fatherhood and husbandhood and comedy and finances, just just everything circling around in, in, in my life, it, it it finally got me to a point where I said to myself, "I'm like, yo, I'm I'm done. I'm over whatever this is, right? You know, the expectations that that a wife can have on you." Weighs heavy. They think we don't listen, but we hear everything. We might not say anything back, but we hear everything. We internalize everything. And I was like, man, there, there's nobody in this world, absolutely nobody that that feels what I'm feeling. There's nobody that's going through everything I've gone through, mm-hmm. right? And it was just I, I wanted to burn, right? And then I had a conversation a month ago, and I was talking with a brother, uh, Ronnie 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 Brown from Harvard, football player. We we were talking. And he expressed those exact same feelings that I had. I'm like, you too? And I had that conversation with him. I started having other conversations with other men and other conversations. And I realized there's so many of us suffering from what they call quiet desperation. There's so many of us. Quick tangent, sorry. Will Smith, what we saw, that was a man who's been dealing with quiet desperation. And he finally snapped. Mm-hmm. We witnessed a breakdown live on the air. That's what that was. Uh, and there's other there's other things to it, other layers. But what we saw was a black man dealing with the frustrations of being a black man and wanting, again, we hear our wives, wanting to protect womanhood, going back to the beginning, all right? Childhood trauma, all this stuff just uh, meshed together. And we had, we saw an explosive moment. And so many of us are having those explosive moments. It could be slapping somebody on stage. It could be taking our own lives. It could be uh, shooting another black man for stepping on your shoes. We're all having these moments, and the way we choose to express them could either be beneficial or detrimental. But it's all a choice, and there's so many of us. So I commend you for having those conversations and putting those conversations out there, man. Man, we, we need it so bad. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. If if you haven't read it, man, um, uh, do you know who Jason Wilson is? No. Um, very. He changed my life, and he's. I mean, if you look at him, and I'm dying because one of my dreams, and I know it's gonna happen. I'm gonna sit down one of these days. And I'm gonna have an interview with him on my show. But this man okay. is one of the reasons why I kind of started doing what I'm doing here now. Um, and just a quick follow up, because and the reason I bring him up is for two reasons. Number one, um, is that he has a book. Called Cry Like a Man. Mm, I think I have heard about this book. Read it, bro. Read it. It changed my life. Um, I'm doing it this week. It, it, it really changed. Matter, matter, matter of fact, when it's over, man, I'm going to reach out to you, man, because we're going to talk about that. But it was All a right. book that really kind of set off my whole podcast thing and all the things that I'm doing here because there's a term that he talks about there like you said quiet desperation what he says is what it is is that you know when men we're 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 told to shut down our feelings and all these things um and what we put ourselves is what we what he calls is emotional incarceration right and it's, it's all that stuff and we're just like you know feeling up and he talks about his book too is that then because we're in emotional incarceration we lash out as it via drugs, you know, sexualizing women, violence, um, drinking, smoke, whatever. All these things is because, like you say, we we don't know how we can't deal with these things because we don't know how we're not taught how and we're not allowed to speak about it. So we lash out in the most inappropriate manners uh, because we don't know what else to do. And I, I say that too. I, I that's my term of saying what rage is. Rage is when you're all these emotions that you've been forced and bottled up to 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 hide because you can't show the world erupt. And all your anger, your joy, your fear, your depression, your sadness is just exploding out of you all at once and it has you have you have no idea what you're doing. 
Um, yeah. You know, so it, it's definitely, definitely a book. He has another book that I haven't got to called Battle Cry, which I'm, I'm, I'm getting to now. I have some other books that I'm listen, listening to. But Cry Like a Man is definitely one that I think all men, all men should read, period, or listen to because it's just that impactful in our lives. Um, so definitely look him up if you as soon as you get out, like you know on, on Instagram whatever Jason Wilson, amazing amazing man. Um, so uh, again, uh, you don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, as I said before, you know we'll okay. do this anytime, whenever you're ready, man. You know, shoot me a message, we can uh, definitely talk. I'll definitely love to talk to you on my other show where we could talk about our feelings and all that stuff too as well. Because um, <laughs> it's, it's some some real things this be happening, man. Like 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 just now, like you said that with you with your daughter was crazy that you had that moment with her at the park and she gave you that hug and said those things to you, you know. And I kind of had something similar because I was in a dark place, you know. And then that has happened to me. Um, so uh, and then another guy that I interviewed a couple weeks ago, um, you know, we were talking about like school. We just finished school together, and like I said, you know, when I when I got my papers and felt like if I was graduating. I went to my car and I, I just started crying. I started bawling because of everything I went through to get that, I was just couldn't believe it. And he told me the same thing too. As soon as I finished my last assignment, I just started crying because it was over. It was a sense of relief and I was just in tears. And we all go through these things. You know what I mean? Like we just got yeah. to find, like I said, we just got to face our fears and build bonds. We can get connections. We talk to guys who've been through it, walk us through it, talk and go. We are not alone, guys. We are not alone. All you got to do is just speak up and reach out, man. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it, man. Well, Brandon, again, wish you so much success. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. And everybody, as I always say, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, your big brother loves you. Stay blessed, everybody. Hey, 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 hey.